What are etizolam and puff bars? If you're a parent of an adolescent, you'll want to know. We'll be discussing both in this special parent prevention news episode of Win This Year. Drugs and alcohol. Bullying. Unhealthy relationships. Depression. Internet safety. Substance use. Body image. Self-injury. Suicide. Anxiety. Social media. Kids. Pre-teens. Parenting. Middle school. High school. Adolescents. Teens. Coping skills. Self-care. Relationships. Strategies. Life skills. Prevention. Solutions. Help. Hope. Leadership. Insight. Information. Inspiration. You're listening to Win This Year, the official podcast of Not My Kid, a prevention nonprofit focused on inspiring positive life choices by helping kids, parents, families, and those who work with youth. Informative, interesting, inspiring. Win this year. Welcome to Win This Year. I'm Shane Watson, public information officer and prevention specialist for Not My Kid. Today we have a special parent prevention news episode for you and joining us as co-host for this episode. If you've heard some of our prior shows, you may recognize her, but for those who have not heard her yet, I will let our CEO, Kristen Polin, introduce herself and then we'll get started. Hi everyone, this is Kristen Polin, CEO of Not My Kid. Very proud to be that and love working with this team. Very excited to be on the show today too. Today's show is something we have not done yet, but we are planning on doing more routinely down the road. We're going to get into a couple news articles that kind of crossed our path recently. We shared them on our, our organization's social media, and they got a pretty profound reaction because there was a little bit of mystery to them. There was kind of an unknown quantity to them. And so what we're going to do is we're going to share these articles with you. The links to the full article will be in the show notes. But in addition to sharing the actual body of the article with you, we're going to give you some tips and some strategies, some commentary and explanation related to these two articles as well. Starting us out, we're going to talk about the loss of an ASU Arizona State University student last November due to a drug overdose. And his autopsy reports recently came back with one substance that we've heard a lot about in the last decade and one that is uh, much more unknown to the average person. And we, we're going to highlight that one. One thing before we discuss this, it's important that we make it clear we're not commenting on adult use. We're not demonizing prescription drugs or criticizing those who take them for medical reasons. We're highlighting the dangers of young people using them recreationally. So this first article is from azfamily.com's news staff. Autopsy shows ASU student ingested fentanyl before death. Report calls it accidental. The Maricopa County Medical Examiner's Office says an accidental drug ingestion was to blame for the death of an ASU fraternity student last fall. According to the just-released medical examiner's report, Ivan Aguirre's cause of death was mixed drug intoxication, fentanyl, and etizolam. Aguirre, 20 years old, was found dead November 11, 2019, in his room at the Greek Leadership Village near Rural Road and University Drive in Tempe. He was a member of the Lambda Chi Alpha fraternity and was just shy of his 21st birthday. The medical examiner's report states that a friend saw Aguirre taking several pills which were believed to be Xanax, Alprazolam. Later that day, a friend came and found Aguirre unresponsive in bed. The report goes on to say... That inside Aguirre's residence, detectives found, quote, numerous cigarettes, vaping devices, marijuana, and marijuana paraphernalia, unquote. Detectives also reportedly found two small plastic bags, which were, quote, empty inside, aside from some white powdery residue, unquote. 
along with a small plastic bag that also contained two green tablets with the imprint S901, and the tablets appeared consistent with Xanax. According to the medical examiner's report, Aguirre's blood analysis revealed the presence of the potent opioid fentanyl, the drug etizolam, metabolites of marijuana, and components of nicotine and caffeine. No Xanax was detected in his blood. When Arizona families spoke with Ivan's uncle Paul back in November when it was believed fentanyl was the cause of death, his uncle said, if that was it, then how deeply ironic that would be for me personally. I'm the counter-drug coordinator for the Arizona National Guard. I started a program to support Governor Ducey in February 2018. It's called the Civil Operations Program, and it deals with drug prevention. At that time, he said if it was fentanyl, he would use Ivan's death to warn others. This might be the way God has used him, said Paul, because kids got to understand you can't take a pill from somebody that gives it to you. And finally, Ivan, an alum of Brophy Preparatory Academy, was attending ASU on an Obama scholarship and had a 3.8 grade point average. His relatives described him as smart, confident, and ambitious student. Kristen, your take on this. Well, first of all, the the story continues every time I I read this and hear about it. It crushes me from the standpoint of we lost a brilliant student. My heart goes out to his mom and his family and the entire community that lost him. And I, I really think that these are those teachable moments that we even talked about with our kids and the community that we have to keep sharing information about the best of kids make mistakes, and we're, we're losing kids and loved ones. It's not just kids. All of us know the opioid epidemic and the fallout has far-reaching impact, but that it's moments like these where we have to continue to have the conversation and put it front and forward in front of everyone. I respect his uncle's approach to that. Me too. To try to turn this into a positive. And the reason, like you said, I highlighted his GPA is you said, we are seeing this consistently. We are losing amazing kids to these overdoses. Now, fentanyl is likely the bigger culprit in the overdose um, You know, with, due to the fact that a three milligram dose of fentanyl is enough to kill an average size adult male. Mm-hmm. However, the reason we're highlighting etizolam is that is the less known of the two substances being blamed for this overdose here. I'm gonna explain a little bit about it and we'll discuss it a little bit. It is not a new substance. Um, the, the reason it's being referred to as new is because it's really f- now showing up on a lot of people's radars. It's new to a lot of people. Uh, it was released in the early 80s in Japan, and it's not a benzodiazepine, but it behaves like one. And so it's similar to effects of, of substances like Xanax, Clonopin, Ativan, Valium, etc. Those are anti-anxiety drugs that people are going to take to relax, to obviously deal with anxiety. Some young people use them recreationally to get euphoria, to get a buzz, and they're very frequently combined with alcohol or other drugs, as we saw in Ivan Aguirre's overdose. For the parents listening to this, the signs and symptoms you're going to want to look for include drowsiness, lightheadedness, lack of coordination, confusion, euphoria, memory issues, and we'll actually link to a more complete list down in the show notes. How these kids are getting it varies, but most often it's ordered through the internet from an overseas pharmacy or as a research chemical. It can be ordered online as pills, capsules, or powder. And there's a good chance that Ivan didn't even realize he was taking etizolam, and there's a really good chance he didn't realize he was taking fentanyl. 
I'm willing to bet 100% on both that he didn't realize he was taking it because you'll see in that article that actually the pills that were found were labeled as Xanax with the, I forget the code that was on the pill that was stamped. But again, one of the loopholes that when we got the opportunity through ABC 15 to, to do a news spot on it was something that I had shared, didn't necessarily make to, to the airwaves is a lot of times kids will be buying pills on the street and from dealers that are marked something and they are not that. And that's how we've learned so much around fentanyl is you think you're buying Xanax, but there could be fentanyl in it. You think you're buying Xanax and it could be a Tizolam. Those are all the unknown risks when you're taking a pill that's not prescribed by a physician and you're signing on for unknowingly something that could be deadly. And it would make sense that whoever created this fake pill put a tizolam in it to mimic the effect of Xanax, which they made the pill look like. But a lot of these fake pills that we're seeing are being adulterated with or made from fentanyl as well. I've had a lot of people ask me, okay, we all know how deadly fentanyl is. Why are people using it? Right. And it goes back to what you just said. The vast majority have no clue that they're using fentanyl. If they're buying a, a fake pill on the street or a kid's getting one from a friend at school, it can look exactly like a Xanax, a Percocet, a Vicodin. It can be incredibly convincing, and there's no guarantee that it is what they think they're taking. Absolutely, and I, I think more profound was the eye-opening um, piece for us was how easy it is that you could purchase something that's not federally regulated, not prescribed by doctors in the United States. I'm talking about Atizolam specific, specifically, how you can literally go through every loophole possible and have it delivered right to your door. That was eye-opening. And, you know, some of the packages will get seized at customs, but plenty of them make it through. It is very simple to do. I actually know the steps involved with it. It is very simple, and a lot of them do make it through. And even if we subtract fentanyl from this equation here, we're only talking about etizolam. Etizolam in and of itself can be deadly. In too large of a dose, it can be deadly. When combined with alcohol, which is very common at high school parties, college parties, et cetera, that can be deadly as well. And if we're waiting for this danger as parents, if we're waiting for this to be legislated out of existence, it's not going to happen. We have to take action and we have to take the steps as parents. Rather than being focused on the problem, we need to ask why are kids feeling such a profound need to self-medicate? We need to address what is underneath that, and I know you agree with me. I do agree with you. I, I honestly, I think that there's, aside from the popular culture of kids and, and what they're seeing online and, you know, just the, all the slang around zanny bars and taking things to check out and, and numb out, I mean, that that's something I'm very passionate about is let's have a conversation about why kids are feeling the need to do that. And we know that we are dealing with a population of teens right now and young adults that are going through college and high school and even middle school, as young as middle school, that are very, very stressed out. I want to get to the root of that conversation. Why is that? That's going to be the way that we're going to address this. Rather than hoping that somebody else is going to make this disappear, it makes more sense that each of us as a parent at our family level take care of our own kids. And if your child is using, if they are drinking... Sit down with them and find out why. What is the motivation? Is there something missing in their life? Are they self-medicating something? Are they trying to have fun with their friends? But find out what that motivation is. And I highly recommend, especially if it does involve benzodiazepines or substances like etizolam, 
we highly recommend getting connected to professional help. Findtreatment.samsa.gov will be, the link will be down in the show notes. They have a treatment locator. You can use your zip code, your city, et cetera. You can find mental health, behavioral health professionals credentialed in your area by using that search tool. And there's nothing that can replace professional help. That's right. And Shane, I think the other thing that we really want to backtrack on is how many times we've heard from parents that had no idea this was going on with their kid that this is just stunning, shocking revelations time and time again, that I didn't even know my kid was using that, much less the fact that they didn't know what they were using in the first place. And I really do want to get back to that conversation about um, talking to kids about the dangers of taking pills when not prescribed, having that conversation, use stories like this as teachable moments to have that conversation. And even when we were just saying, you know, why kids are using when they're stressed out, ask your kid that. They have a really good view of seeing the peers around them that are so stressed out. Have them share with you why they think that's the case. Because I think what we'll find out is we're going to hear that the pressure for GPA, what school you go to, you know, the activities that you partake in, busy, uh, somehow is translated into success. And and kids are telling us that threshold's too big. And a lot of times, the one of the reasons the parents don't know is because it is the high achievers like Ivan yes. Aguirre, who looks on paper to be doing fantastic, and academically, he clearly was. So it's kids that people look at and say, this, this student is an athlete, they're a leader, they're a scholar. They can still be struggling. And even if we don't notice those outward signs, we still need to be having those conversations. Mm-hmm. Set that groundwork before they're dealing with something and make it clear if they ever need anything, they can come talk to you. But we need to monitor. That's right. We need to verify. And we need to put those preventive pieces in place before they get to those years of high pressure. And I'm talking about pre-middle school Put those pieces in place before they hit the junior high years. That's right. So let's talk about the monitor for a second because the the fact that this was done, most of the time purchases of Atizalam are done online using a credit card, purchasing through Venmo, however those loopholes look. I think that it gets back to a, a really strong point for parents of if your children have credit cards, access to online use with their computers, monitor, monitor, monitor. I can't stress enough. I mean, there's even times even on my own children's account where I'll see Venmo exchanges and I need to know more about what that looks like. So every week I'm monitoring that stuff. Um, credit card charges that don't look familiar, those are signals. We also talk about drug testing. I think it's one of the best safeguards uh, against unknown substances that may be entering your child's body. Um, So again, drug testing is another big piece for us as a deterrent, but also that trust but verify. And another way to verify if packages are showing up in the mail for your child, take a look at them whether it's you're preventing drug or alcohol use or something else, if our child is receiving random packages in the mail as parents, we need to know what they are. Mm -hmm. And there's an example related to internet safety from some of our officers that worked internet crimes against children. We've heard examples where a predator grooming a child was mailing them gifts over a prolonged period of time and the parents were not even opening the packages. So if your child is getting something in the mail, take a look at it, see what it is. Our second story relates to puff bars. If you heard that term, parents, and you wondered in the intro, what was I talking about? We're going to get down to that. And this story is from the New York Times, author Sheila Kaplan. The title is Teens Find a Big Loophole in the New Flavored Vaping Ban. 
One important thing to say before we read this article, we're not looking to ban or outlaw vaping devices or e-cigarettes when it comes to adult use. These were invented as a harm reduction method. They were invented as a smoking cessation method. The person that invented them had been a smoker. He quit by using nicotine patches and he missed the feeling of smoking. Multiple adults, numerous adults have used these to eventually move from tobacco, taper down their nicotine levels over time, and eventually quit entirely. Having said that, I have not yet met the middle school or high school student that is using vapes or e-cigarettes to quit smoking. Nope. Very often, it is the entry point into substance use. Back in the day, it was typically cigarettes, alcohol, marijuana. Now what we're seeing first is e-cigarettes or vaping. But let's get into the article here. The Food and Drug Administration is banning most flavored e-cigarettes, but that isn't keeping banana ice, sour gummy, or cool mint out of the hands of McCracken County High School students. Blame a policy loophole. When the Trump administration decided to prohibit fruit, mint, and dessert flavors in refillable cartridge-based e-cigarettes like Juul, it carved out a few exceptions to mollify the vape shop owners and adult consumers who complained. The much-publicized exemption allows menthol and tobacco flavors. But a footnote on page 9 of the new policy permits all flavors to continue to be sold in devices that cannot be refilled and are designed to be disposed, disposed after the flavored nicotine has run dry. Teenagers have caught on fast. Shocker. Students were telling me that everybody had gone to puff bars, which are disposable, said Lauren W. Williams, a teacher at McCracken near Paducah, Kentucky. The one we confiscated here this week is banana ice. Students are not using jewels anymore because no one wants menthol or tobacco. Jewel Labs, a San Francisco-based company that dominates the e-cigarette market, has been widely blamed for igniting the youth vaping epidemic with its fashionable sleek devices and flavors like mango, mint, and cream. The company was feeling so much pressure, it voluntarily discontinued all its flavors, but menthol and tobacco lost fall. But the holes in the government's flavor ban have merely opened the door to an array of competing brands that produce disposables like Puff Bars, Blue, Posh, and Stig. The pre-charged, pre-filled devices are made by domestic companies and imported from China. Some have a higher nicotine level than Juul. Daniela Roth, a high school junior in Newport Beach, California, started vaping mint and other flavored jewels when she was in 10th grade. About five months ago, she said she switched to Puff Bar, which she buys from other students. Costing between $7 and $10 per disposable e-cigarette, Puff Bar is cheaper than Juul. For me, it wasn't about it being easier to get. It was more cost-effective. I'd, I'd have to save up to $30 to buy a pack of Juul pods, Daniela said. Puff came out as the new popular thing that every single kid was doing, and I hopped on that fad, she explained. They have flavors like the Juul flavors. It's basically like smoking a Juul. And then finally, Daniela said she is trying to quit but has not yet succeeded, although she is down from vaping all day long to taking just a few hits in the morning and a few more before bed. If she doesn't vape, she said, I get all shaky. So we went to a device that you can throw away after use. It's about 7 to $10. Completely changed the price point. Jewel was around 20 right, for a starter kit. Even 40 if you wanted to get all the different um, devices. Much more expensive. Pods. It has more nicotine. It's, it's amazing how we got to this point. We banned a whole bunch of stuff, and we, we moved the age of smoking to 21. 21. But they're still getting access to this. And this is a good illustration of what we said on the Tizalam article about if yep. we're waiting for someone else to solve this problem for us by legislating it out of existence, it's right. not going to happen. 
people will find a loophole and teenagers are very creative. I have to give them credit for that. The best. They will find a way. Absolutely. And I, I think what we have to, the job for us is there's always going to be something new. There's always going to be something else coming around the corner. And we knew that when all this uh, change was going to happen around Juul, that something else was going to rise up in the market. So here it is. It's the puff. Um, but again, what baffles me is the higher nicotine levels as well. And we've got a whole generation of kids that are addicted. So we also have to be talking about the solution and how to get them off. Nicotine, the nicotine. cessation for kids. Absolutely. It's an odd conversation to be having. Right. And we've met physicians recently that are saying, this is a whole new thing for me to be having to look at how am I getting this child that's coming to my pediatric practice off of nicotine. Exactly. So that that's the next frontier. And I think, again, what I'll go to is the best monitoring in these kind of situations is still testing your children. There's very effective cotinine tests. We don't talk about that a lot, but those don't show up in a lot of the over-the-counter. But we do find that there's some online resources, and we should link one to parents that can actually test for the presence of cotinine, which is the enzyme that shows up in your body when you are using nicotine products, that a cotinine test would help you understand if your child is still actively using. So um, can we put that in the research We will notes? definitely okay. put that down in the show notes as okay, well. Great. Yeah, there's two that immediately come to mind, one in particular, excellent. And like you said, it's a metabolite that's produced when nicotine is used, and it can be detected. A lot of parents don't even know that exists. Right. You mentioned the fact that these puff bars are higher in nicotine than Juul. Juul was already high in nicotine. I know adults who use e-cigarettes or vapes who have said to me, I do my own liquid because the Juul, the whole pod system was way too intense for me. And this is what we're seeing kids moving away from, moving upwards, right. I hate to call it upwards, to right. puff bars now. Right. And here is an, another thing I just want to throw out there, unrelated to the article, is to bring great light, because we see it in our early intervention program, that kids who have been vaping nicotine for a long time graduate to something much more significant down the road. And we're going to continue to be talking about that as well. But I would really, really like this opportunity to put an alert out to parents that Early detection is key. We find a lot of kids progress from vaping nicotine to vaping highly potent THC. So um, that's going to be a whole nother episode. Stay tuned for that. But I'm glad we're bringing awareness to some new trends that are on the street and things that we need to be aware of. So I always appreciate you, Shane, doing this. And one last quote from the article, and it ties into what I said about while this is a smoking cessation method for adults, not so much for kids, Bennett Kelly, a high school senior from Costa Mesa, California, has also switched to Puff Bar. They have the best flavoring, he said. They have the most nicotine content. He also smokes cigarettes and says that rather than replacing traditional cigarettes, e-cigarettes increase his cravings to smoke. It just feeds the habit, he said. If you're vaping, he said, you're going to gradually want a cigarette. And that is consistent with research from the University of Southern California that said that kids who vape or use e-cigarettes with nicotine e-liquid are six times more likely to go on to smoke anyway. So mm -hmm. while it can be a harm reduction method for adults, it is most certainly not without consequences for kids. That's right. And we need to talk to our kids about this. If they are doing it, sit down with them. And again, just like with the atizolam or any other substance, find out why have a conversation with them, explain the actual dangers based in science and medicine and research, maintain your composure, do not lose your composure, do not lecture, 
do as much listening as you do speaking because you want this to be a conversation. Make it clear that you're worried about them, that you care about them. You don't want anything that's going to damage their health, affecting their happiness, shortening their lifespan, or getting them in some type of legal trouble. Kristen, thank you so much. This has been a fantastic conversation. Everything that we've mentioned, including these articles, any resources that we've talked about, the full versions will be linked down in the show note, as well as some really good resources related to these two issues that we just talked about. Kristen, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. And to all of you listening, thank you for listening to Win This Year. And as always on Win This Year, we want to give you three resources. If you are struggling with thoughts of suicide or you are helping someone who is, there is help, there is hope, there are resources available. Number one is the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. You can reach them by calling 1-800-273-8255. That spells out 1-800-273-TALK. Teen Lifeline can be reached at 1-800-248-8336. That spells out 1-800-248-TEEN, T-E-E-N. And the crisis text line can be reached by texting the word LISTEN to 741-741. If you are going through a difficult experience, I want to encourage you. There is hope. Things can get better, but it is important to reach out and to ask for help. And for those of you who are noticing someone who is struggling, it is important that we reach out and we help them that we start the conversation and we let them know we care and we will help. Thanks once again to our co-host, Kristen Polin. If you've enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy Win This Year, please be sure to subscribe, share, and spread the word. Win This Year can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and nearly every other mainstream podcast outlet. If you have questions or concerns, would like to suggest a guest or a topic for a future episode, email us at winthisyear at notmykid.org. Winthisyear at notmykid.org. As always, all links mentioned in this episode will be in the show notes along with all the links for Not My Kid social media. I'm Shane Watson, public information officer and prevention specialist for Not My Kid. Thank you for listening to Win This Year. 